This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 255 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey everybody, hope everybody had a great weekend. Tracy, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, especially on this infamous day in history. This is D Day. Absolutely, guys. Um, I know we can't say it enough, but we pray for you guys every day, and thank you so much for protecting us and our country. We love y'all so much, and just uh, know you're in our thoughts and prayers. And as usual, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit about mental health. Um, I was actually kind of reading something in uh, my newsfeed earlier, and then I don't know what it is, but it seems like I've seen at least three different people this weekend where they were affected by suicide and it just it just always makes you think my goodness how how bad does someone feel where they feel like the only way out is to take their life yeah that's very sad and you know i know what that pain feels like and i i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy and therefore you know it's like i said you don't so many times these suicides are surprises to people Yes. Because a lot of people who commit suicide do a very good job of hiding their pain. That's why you have to sometimes dig a little deeper than you normally would in some cases. And I mean, and sometimes you just don't know. So you can't, you know, mm-hmm. that's why you can't blame yourself for not seeing the signs because sometimes there really aren't that many signs. Right. But just know that if you do see signs, if you know somebody who's depressed on a regular basis, put just put in a little extra time and try to check on them. Absolutely. You know, give them a call and say, hey, how's your day going? And, you know, just something as simple as that will mean the world to a lot of people. And if you need to reach out, we are always available, whether it be by cell or by email, um, sending a text through social media, whatever the case is, we're available if you need us. Uh, Please join the group if you haven't already, if you could use that extra support. It's It's a fantastic source of encouragement. Trust me when I tell you that. Yes, it surely is. We're very proud of this group. And Tracy, where else can they get some support? Well, um, y'all can also call 800-273-8255. You can also text at 741-741 if that's the route you want to go. But just please don't try to take it all on yourself. Please reach out and talk to somebody because we're always here for you all. Absolutely. Tracy, as usual, this episode is brought to you by El Yucateco Hot Sauce. They are the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States and top 10 out of all types of hot sauces. Amen, brother. They make hot sauces out of a lot of peppers. Uh-huh. So, but to be in the top 10 out of every kind of sauce, every that kind of pepper, quite the pretty impressive. Oh, pretty yeah. Impressive. And I know over the Memorial Day holiday, we had some uh, good cookout foods and we incorporated three different flavors at least. Mm-hmm. At our house, because we're lucky enough to have all seven. Mm-hmm. And you can have all seven by going to com. Not only can you have all seven, you can buy t-shirts, you can buy hats, you can buy keychains with little miniature hot sauce mm-hmm. on it to take with you. So you're never without your Yucateco hot sauce. And you can put in Hillbilly Horror and get 10% off your total purchase when you do that. And guess what? It's really good in tater salad. It is good in tater salad. It's so good. It's just because that little... Mm, tater salad's delicious anyway, but then it gives it that little kick. Mm. <laughs> I'm hungry. I, I know you are. <laughs> and and if nothing else, you can find it at most of your major grocers, too. Yes, so. you sure can. All right, Tracy. Are you ready for this story? I suppose I'm ready. After we get through with this story, we've got some special guests. Our buddies from Middle-Aged and Creeped Out, Todd, Sean, and Nate. 
Yes. And uh, that was a fun, very fun episode. It was very fun. They're great guys. They said Todd came and sat in with us probably a year and a half ago mm-hmm. on an episode, so you may remember him from that one. I can't remember which episode it was. Yeah, I don't remember either. But um, he was coming in learning on on what to do and learning about the software and all that about doing a podcast. So he's had this in the, in the works for a while. Now they've got some episodes out, and they're having a good time doing it, and they're having some pretty good numbers. So I thought we would bring them on. And let them tell us some cool stories. And they did. They sure did. It was great. All right. Also, we have a a very awesome friend of the show, Tiffany Boots. Love my girl. And her son, Reese, graduated high school. And we wanted to give a very big Hippily Horror Stories congratulations to Reese for graduating high school. Good job, buddy. Yeah, good job, buddy. That's amazing. On to bigger and better things, Reese. Absolutely. All right, Tracy. We have covered the Salem Witch Trials and a couple other haunted locations. I know we covered the Salem Inn. Mm-hmm. But we really haven't discussed how Salem came to be. Ooh. Everything tell. just kind of picks up at the Witch Trials. Yeah. Skip all that boring part. Right. <laughs> well, tonight's story is on the Joshua Ward House, which is in Salem. And that's going to be the main focus, but I thought we would spend some time at the beginning of the show to talk about Salem's origin. Sounds great. First of all, I think it's complete irony, and you know, and if this is an irony, I don't know what is, but do you know that the name Salem comes from the Jewish word Shalom, which means peace? I had no clue. It's kind of ironic for a town that that's, yeah. name comes from peace was... As well known as it is for for executing so many witches yeah, <laughs> that probably weren't, weren't witches at all. <laughs> Tracy, most people know that the people of Salem were Puritans, and that's all that most people do know about them. Mm-hmm. So the founder of the Salem came from Plymouth, Massachusetts. Now Plymouth had pretty much been settled by religious refugees who wanted to escape England's uh, religious persecution and tyranny. So they knew they could separate from the Church of England by coming to the New World. Some of the Plymouth settlers were unhappy with the degree of separation that was established here in America, though. And they thought that there was a lot of corruption in the actual church. Now, they wanted to distance themselves from the people of the church, but not the church itself. Yes. Okay. So, in 1625, Reverend John Lyford and Roger Conant decided that they had had enough, and they went out to start their own settlement. First, they established Cape Ann, but that failed. Why? I don't know. I'm going to assume it's the same reasons, though, that they had trouble trouble with the other ones. It was just really harsh conditions and lack of food and oh, I see. and all that. Okay. So that one fails. Most of the settlers that had followed them to Cape Ann decided that they were going to go back to England after this settlement did not succeed. The following year, Conant set sail for uh, right along the, the coast of Cape Cod, and he started another colony at the mouth of Nomkeog River. The colony was originally named Nomkeog, which was a local Native American term for eel land. Like E-E-L? Yeah. Like the snake eel? Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) But that was later changed to Salem. Okay. I like that name better. It probably would have sounded better than the eel land witch trials. Eel land. Yeah, that don't that didn't roll it off your tongue no, good enough. It doesn't. <laughs> Most of the small band of people who followed to this settlement, they settled along the stretch that would soon become Essex Street. Life was not easy here. Living conditions were extremely harsh. There was constant fear of Native American attacks. Reverend Lyford moved to Virginia, and a few people from the from the group followed him, but the rest decided to go ahead and stick it out there in Salem. In 1628, England recognized it as an official body, and they appointed John Endicott as governor, and this did not sit well with most of the people in town because they thought that Conant should have been the governor. He was one of the founders. Founders, right. Conant, instead, was given the job of agent of known Keog. I have no idea what an agent does. Sounds pretty cool, though. (laughs) There were some also some heavy disputes on what crops to grow. The older settlers, the original ones, 
they wanted to raise tobacco, while the newer settlers wanted to raise some other type of crop because they thought that tobacco was bad for your health. Go figure, 1600s. <laughs> they said it was bad for they you. They knew it was bad for you <laughs> back in the 1600s. Should have listened. The town started to grow nonetheless. I mean, it was it just started having people come and settle. So even though mm-hmm. they had their own little struggles, it was starting to pick up. In 1629, 200 people arrived from England and 700 more came the next year. Dang. The problem is that by the time that the 700 got there, there were some severe issues stemming from the harsh conditions and various different types of diseases. When the, when the newcomers actually got off the ship, they were greeted by unhappy people that were in rags begging for food. Oh, my gosh. Not exactly the welcome wagon that they thought they were going to be getting. Mm. But they settled in regardless, and by 1637... Salem had over a thousand people there. And just like that, Freddie jumped up in Tracy's lap. Freddie, say hi. All right, back to the story. Of course, the Puritans were extremely strict and religious. But we're going to save, you know, all the details about that for another day. I do want to tell you, though, some of the things that were not allowed in their religion. Cursing, smoking, jealousy... Slander, playing cards, lying, fighting, disrespectful attitude, and get this one, idleness. You sat around, or if you was lazy, you could be punished for that. But why did they want to grow tobacco if that was one of their... You know, I found that funny too. I guess, because I guess maybe because it didn't matter, just they weren't allowed to do it, but they didn't have a problem making money off of it, which Mm, is kind of hypocritical. Yeah, absolutely. But public whippings and standing in the stockade were common occurrences for violations of any of those. That don't sound fun. No. Oh, and the whips that they used Mm -hmm. when you got whipped? They were leather with knots tied to them because they wanted to maximize damage to the flesh. Damn. (laughs) Don't sound very religious to me. All right, so let's get to the Joshua Ward house. We're not going to spend too much time on the initial history of the house because it's it, it, this is one of those stories where you need to kind of learn some of the history as you go. So mm-hmm. it's going to be sprinkled throughout. The Joshua Ward house was built in 1784. It's a beautiful three-story brick federal-style house, and it was one of the very first brick houses in all of Salem. Nice. The interior woodwork was done by a famed Salem builder and woodworker by the name of Samuel McIntyre. Now, he built the staircase inside, and it is one of the oldest surviving staircases built by him in Salem. Is it still standing? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. This place was so nicely done that George Washington specifically asked to stay in the Joshua Ward house when he visited Salem in 1789. That's that's pretty cool. I'd like to have been there to see what it was about. Yeah. There are several landmarks around Salem known for their hauntings. Many people have witnessed an elderly old woman in, in the House of Seven Gables. And if you remember that, it probably sounds familiar, the House of Seven Gables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's because that was the uh, inspiration for the Nathaniel Hawthorne's book that came out, the novel of the House of Seven Gables, and the movie was made off of it and everything, yeah. but that was his inspiration for writing that. Abigail Roper, she's often seen in the Roper Mansion. That would make sense. Yeah. Giles Corey's ghost has been often seen several times around the old jail. And if you remember Giles' story, he was the one that, he was the one execution that wasn't by hanging. It was the one where his wife had been accused of being a witch, and then they accused him of being a witch, and they put a wooden door on top of him and started piling rocks on him. Yeah, I do and remember that. when they kept trying to get him to confess, all he would say is, more weight, more rocks. And But Dude, he, was, I mean, he ended up dying from that, and I guess that was outside the old jails where that actually took mm. place at. But he never would confess. I mean, that, I mean, I understand that he's actually dying, but why? 
I understand why he didn't want to confess to something he wasn't. Yeah, well, I mean, even if they confessed, they were just going to kill him anyway. So, so at this yeah. point, what's the matter? Right. Now, of course, there is talk of translucent witches that appear right where the gallows once stood. And there's also women dressed in colonial clothing that roam the streets of Salem. But of all the ghosts of Salem, the most talked about would be the spirit that drifts through the hallways of the Joshua Ward house. Now, this home was built by Joshua Ward. And at the time, he was one of Salem's premier merchants. He was the big daddy in town. Mm -hmm. He had all the money and had all the business. He built it specifically on that spot on Salem Harbor because it overlooked the, the water right there where he could see his basically case goods and all the stuff coming in on the, the packed oh, ships yeah. that were bringing all his merchandise to town. Now, by all accounts, Joshua Ward was a very well-respected member of the Salem community, and apparently he didn't have any kind of paranormal activities while he was living there, but everybody after him did. So there's a couple of reasons why that might be, be possible. It's possible that he just didn't want to mention that there was any paranormal activity and he had his servants swear to not say anything because he didn't want his reputation in the community damaged. Oh. As you know, you're living back there. It's a very strict community. We're mm -hmm. past the Puritan days by this time, but, you know, it's still a very religious community and a lot of times mentioning ghosts would get you looked at as, yeah. you know. So not good for business either. No. So... Let's just say that he was a, a really good guy and he was living right. That's what a lot of people think. What would have caused the hauntings at that house? There's a few theories on that. You see, there was another house on this property at one point. It had been torn down for Joshua Ward's house to be built. All that was left was the foundation of the old house, and Joshua Ward built his mansion right over top of that foundation. Oh, the house belonged to one George Corwin, the high sheriff of Essex County during the Salem Witch Trials. And George was one of the judges that sent 19 people to be hanged for being a witch and over 100 people to jail. But there's more. So when someone was convicted of being a witch or uh, whatever the case was, and they sent them to jail, all of their property was confiscated. Guess who was in charge of all this property? Mm -hmm. George Corwin. Yes. He made a small fortune during the witch trials. And they think that the fact that the Salem witch trials went on for so long, he kind of made it go on for so oh, long. Oh, yeah. I mean, because he was reaping the benefits. Yes, absolutely. Why wouldn't he? Right. And that's that started to have people. Kind of look at him in a negative well, way. Well, that's what I was going to say. He was Didn't a younger people guy. Kind of he was wonder? only like 27 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like people weren't catching on to that. Yeah, they were. And it did. he was not a very popular man in town, which at one point he was. You know, as the witchcraft hysteria kind of, kind of died down a little bit, there were several whispers in town about him and his motives. He went from being looked at as an accomplished judge to an accomplice in murder. Oh, not a good transition there, buddy. Let's think about it. 19 people died, 100 in jail, and this was a small town. I mean, think about it. That's that's probably... A third of the population. Yeah, or maybe a little less maybe, but I mean, that's still everybody knew everybody. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like a big city where you got 100,000 people. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet they probably had less than 5,000 at this point. So... Everybody knew everybody, and you just you just don't go back to normal after that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got a small town where you, so many people were executed, and everybody's being accused of being a witch, and that's all anybody can do. You don't just go back to, oh, okay, well, I guess that's over. <laughs> you know, it's like the pandemic now. I mean, mm -hmm. it takes a while, but it's like even now that people were releasing the mask mandates and doing all that, there's still a bunch of people wearing masks and yeah. stuff like it because it's not just going to stop instantly. And I'd imagine this was probably tenfold there from what was going on. Nobody, though, hated Corwin worse than Bob and Mary English. See, they were accused of being witches, but they escaped to New York before they could be put on trial. 
they came back to Salem after after everything had kind of calmed down and they didn't have to worry about being arrested anymore. They come back. The problem was once they got back to town, they had found out that Corwin had sold all of their property. Oh, crap. So the Englishes tried to sue, but at this time, you could not sue the government there in Salem. Mm. So what they were given <laughs> was the ownership of George Corwin's corpse when he did die. Why? I have no idea. But I can tell you this. It's not much in the way of justice, but it may seem pretty petty to most. When George Corwin died, the Englishes were there at his house. And they demanded what was rightfully theirs, and they wanted that body before anything could be done with it. The Corwin family, though, obviously, they were like, this is our family, and we're not just going to give you his body. I mean, even though you, I don't know what you're going to do with it or what the point is, that's petty. You mm-hmm. waited all this time that you just want his body. So what do you think they did? I don't know. They buried George Corwin in the cellar of that house. Oh. So he didn't leave the house. Well, I don't know if that's such a great idea or not. Well, Corwin's body was later exhumed and, and moved to Broad Street Cemetery somewhere down the line. But his body for a while was at least buried in the spot that the Joshua Ward house sits, and it's said that his ghost haunts the building. Oh, I bet it does. But, and there's always a but, and we said the most talked about spirit in Salem is the one who haunts the Joshua Ward house, right? Mm-hmm. But we didn't say that spirit was George Corwin. Oh, who is it? We're speaking about another ghost, an anonymous woman who is be, really became increasingly seen since the late 1990s. Really? So she'd been seen before, but it's really ramped up. Good Lord, that's so many years of... Shoot, we... Just kind of sitting idle. Yeah. What's she been doing with all her time? <laughs> In the late 1990s, Richard Carlson bought the building, and he decided that he was going to run his real estate business out of it. So mm-hmm. he had all of his, his real estate agents and stuff were in there, making phone calls, meeting with people, clients. They were issues there almost immediately. You see, the building's alarm would go off in the middle of the night on a regular basis. Now, this would cause Richard or his girlfriend, Julie, to have to get out of bed, go to the building, and shut it off. The problem is, they never had to shut it off. Here's what the odd part. If Richard came, as soon as he got to the door and stepped inside the front door, it would go off on its own. Mm. That's annoying. Julie, on the other hand, whenever she went, she would have to go all the way down in the cellar before the alarm shut off. Either way, it shut off on its own, but it was always as soon as he walked through the door and she always had to walk to the cellar. Gosh, I would be so scared. They have no clue what triggered the alarm or even more how it shut off all by itself. But it did on every occasion. (laughs) So they weren't the only ones there to have experiences in the building. One of one of my favorite stories out of all these that we have, well, this one and the last one, but my, one of my favorite stories involves a young woman who was in the building. She was meeting with her realtor, okay? So mm-hmm. just picture this. She's in the office. The realtor's sitting there. They're talking whatever they're talking about. And while she's sitting in there, the phone rings. So her realtor answers the phone. So the client, while she's sitting there waiting on the realtor to finish up the call, she starts looking around and she notices a woman that's sitting in a wing chair out in the hallway. She's got a straight view of it, straight out the door. And she said the woman looked out of place. Black hair, but it appeared to be knotted and tangled. Her clothes looked to be from the 1700s, and they were tattered. Mm-hmm. The woman was very pale, but she was also somewhat translucent. She said that even though she was sitting in the chair, she could kind of see the back of the chair. And through her head could kind of see like the wall. So it was just enough to say, you know, she don't look complete. She said that there were people walking past this woman in the hallway. So her realtor finally finishes the phone call and hangs up. She looks at the realtor and says, who's that woman? And the realtor looks out towards the hallway and says, what woman? And the woman points to the chair only to see that it's now empty. 
Mm. So before leaving, she is convinced that there was somebody in a chair. So she starts asking all these employees in the different offices, hey, did you see this woman out there? There's a bunch of people walking by. And a couple of people that had walked by, she recognized as ones who walked by. Yeah. And she's like, hey, you walked by there earlier. Do you know who that woman was? Everybody gave her the same story. Not only that they don't remember seeing a woman, but there hadn't been anyone sitting in that chair all day, according to anybody that she asked. Another person who had an encounter in that building was the custodian. Now, he would usually come in and do his cleaning in the early evening, uh, right after everybody had left. So I imagine most of them probably left six or seven o'clock and he'd come in, do a little bit of cleaning, probably wouldn't much in a real estate office. He said he always felt comfortable in the house until one particular night. He was walking out of the stairway. He said he felt a hand reach out from behind the stairway and grab his elbow. He turned around really quick and there was nothing but empty space. He said he was in his vehicle within a minute later. Ooh. And must have been trucking. Yeah. He changed his schedule to where he would do his cleanup in the early morning after the real estate agents had already gotten to work. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta do what you gotta do. Shortly after the custodian changed his hours, there was another odd event. So the employees were outside posing for a uh, a group staff picture, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So picture was taken. It was taken on a Polaroid camera. When the picture was developed, there was an extra person. This person was not a well-dressed real estate agent like the rest were in the pictures. She was a pale-skinned woman with crazy black hair and ragged 17th century clothing looking blankly at the camera. So there she got her proof right there. It's a pretty cool picture. I've seen the picture. Nice. The real estate agency eventually moved out. I don't know if it had anything to do with the spirits or anything. They just moved out. And it was replaced by a publishing company. The company gave their employees really flexible hours. So they got to come into the office when they were able to come into the office. Instead of having these standard hours, so you had people always kind of coming and going, whatever fit their schedule the best. The Spirit must have really liked these smaller audiences because she has been seen several times over the next few years after the publishing company move in. On one occasion, there was an editor who came in early one morning. She said she saw the Spirit walk down the first floor stairs and just slowly fade away. That's kind of cool. Same description, though. During this same time period, there was a local band. This is my, this is probably my favorite story. I said the other one in, the, in this one. But there was this local band, and they had been given permission to actually practice in the cellar as long as there was nobody else in the building working. So one day, they're in there rehearsing. They're in the basement. They got everything cranked. In the middle of a song, the drummer looks up, and he sees a woman with scraggly black hair, just staring at him. Mm -hmm. So by now, this ghost was kind of a local legend, and everybody had kind of heard the stories, so he knew exactly what he was looking at. Yeah. He freaked out. He starts yelling at the rest of the band, get out, get out, get out. Well, they're confused because they don't seem to see anything. They just know he's screaming, get out, (laughs) and, you know, they okay, so everybody runs out, and they get outside, they're in the parking lot, And he starts explaining what he saw and why he was in such a panic. Uh, As you can imagine, his bandmates figured he was, you know, cuckoo, something's wrong. But they did not know about the story? Well, uh, even if they didn't, they didn't see anything. Mm. So maybe they figured his mind was just getting the best of him or whatever. But as they're staying in the parking lot, they hear this freakish moan come through the band's speaker system from downstairs. Oh, crap. When this happened, everyone in the parking lot said they got freezing cold. The woman was wailing through their microphones. The band refused to ever practice in that place again. Damn. I'm surprised he even went back to get their instruments. Those are expensive. I'm sure that they would have <laughs> Maybe she's just wailing out of tune. Got to give her a chance. So the question is, 
who is this mysterious woman? Because to this day, no one is exactly sure who it was. I mean, the George Corwin body was buried there. So you would think if the place was going to be haunted, it'd be by him, not by some young woman. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that the woman is one of the women who was sentenced to death for being a witch? And maybe this was as close as she could get to the man that she blamed for her death. Well, I'm sure it could and be. that's where his... Yeah, the what body you know, was. Where yeah. his body was, and that's where his house was. Some people speculate that strange things have always happened in Salem, and that these things are what actually led to the events in Salem in 1692. So, you know, even, even some people think that there actually were witches in Salem, and their power, their magic was real, and that's what's a cause stuff, and B, what's keeping stuff around there. Here's what I do know. The building is now the George Corwin Joshua Ward House Salem Witch Museum. Oh, that's interesting. All I know is that in 2015, it was a hotel for a little bit. And then after that, it ended up becoming the museum. I would have loved to stay there when it was a hotel. Mm, I bet you would. I wonder what they have in the museum. Probably a little bit of everything. We're going to go to Salem next year. I can promise you that. We may mm. even try to set up a show up there. We're going to Salem. I've been dying to go. <laughs> so there's a bunch of rumors. Poor choice of words there, buddy. <laughs> there's a bu bunch of rumors that George Corwin actually tortured prisoners in the basement of his home. But according to the museum's website, there's really no proof that that happened. And it's probably just rumors. I though, hope so. Though George Corwin did have a pretty bad nickname. What? The Strangler. Oh. That was his nickname. He just sounds like a bad dude all the way around. So. Anyways, what do you think? I don't know if I want to go to Salem or not. <laughs> <laughs> they say it's a fun place to go to and see all the stuff, but you want to stay away from it in the month of October because that's just packed. Because oh, I bet it is. Because everybody's going there for Halloween. Nice. Well, something that we need to check out. It is. It's a long distance. For a drive, it's like 15 hours from here. Barf. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe it would be farther from us than like some of the places in mm -hmm. Texas that we go or New Orleans, but it is. Mm -hmm. So, all right. All right, guys, we got some quick housekeeping. First of all, I want to announce a couple of new things that are going to be coming to Hibbley Horror Story in your uh, feed that comes across your podcast player. First of all, we're going to start doing on Fridays classic HHS episodes. So what we're going to do, we're going to go, because we know a lot of people that started listening, you know, recently, and I mean recently in the last couple of years, they didn't go back to the old episodes. So what I'm doing is I'm going back and I started with the very first one is the first episode ever that Tracy was on, Rock and Roll in the Occult. Hmm. And I went through and I cleaned up the audio to make it sound a little better because our audio was not near as good back then. I did the best that I could with it, did some editing on it, made it sound a little bit better. And every Friday, we'll start playing one of those. So that would be the first one that comes out this coming Friday, Rock and Roll in the Occult. We'll probably just go straight in line, to be honest with you, because mm -hmm. we had a lot of good guests and stuff back in the day. So uh, we're excited to be able to bring those out to people who hadn't heard it. Also, we're probably going to bring... Not probably. On I'm trying to think of the day. On Tuesday mornings, we're going to uh, do like a little Patreon preview. So you will get an old short or an old part of the bonus episodes we've done, like a clip. In some cases, if it's one of our Hibbley shorts that we do in there, it'll be the whole little episode. But we're going to do one of those a week just so people can get a taste of, of what that is. Sounds good, babe. So you'll have, what? Three, you'll have four shows coming in a week because you'll have the Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. You'll have the preview, a classic, and a regular episode. So you'll have all kinds of free Hillbilly Horror Story stuff. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. And then obviously we've got live events, our birthday special. This one's selling out quick. I didn't know it was going to go this quick, but our five-year anniversary show with Brohio and we drink and we know things up in Louisville, Kentucky. August 21st, and that actually is the day of the five-year anniversary, mm -hmm. and the day before my birthday, bring gifts. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> no, that one's going to be fun. we got 100 tickets on sale, and we've already sold almost 40. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's amazing how quick it's selling out, and it's going to sell out 
really quick going forward. So grab those tickets. St. Augustine with uh, Diane and Kelly from History Goes Bump, that's almost sold out. So we've got like 10 or 11 tickets left for that. And we've still got a handful of tickets left for the um, St. Augustine Lighthouse, what do you call it, investigation. Yes. The night before. Go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You can see all the info for those things. Plus, we've got the uh, the Dallas show, the Memphis show, and the Galveston show. All those, all the information, who's going to be there. Can't wait to see you guys for that. And there's also a whole page dedicated to the cruise. So mm-hmm. if you want to do that, I've lost track of how many people is even going. It's over 200, and I just quit even getting updates on it. <laughs> I literally haven't had an update in three weeks. It's but, really great. It's really great. Yeah. We just cannot wait to see you guys. We're so excited. All right, Trace, what do you got going on over there? Well, for our iTunes, we have our good old Mojo Lobster, Neezer413, Yummers88, Early Bird 67, and Jayzilla506. Thank you guys for your awesome reviews. We just love them so much. And for our Patreons, we have Kevin Ferris, Melba Pierce, Elizabeth Mottman, and Robert Harris. Thank you guys for your support. You guys just... All of y'all mean the world to us, and we can never just begin to thank you all enough for your support. Absolutely. All right, let's take some time, and let's listen to the guys from Middle Aged and Creeped Out. Hey, guys, I'm excited. We actually have some friends. we got a lot of friends in the podcasting uh, business industry, so to speak. And this is one, though, uh, with Todd Hedges, who actually came to our house, seems like about close to two years ago now, I guess. Well, and said, awesome. Yeah. Set in with us for a while and, and uh, learned some stuff. And he, he's been uh, putting some stuff together behind the scenes. And uh, he got together with his friends, Nate and Sean, and decided they were going to do a podcast called Middle-Aged and Creeped Out. It's a, a, a pretty funny show. I think you guys would like it if you haven't heard it. Uh, you guys did something for our Halloween, didn't you? For... Did y'all do something we for wanted, a Halloween episode? or uh, No, we wanted to. That's what we were hoping to roll it out by. Yeah, that's right. Y'all, y'all, y'all hadn't, y'all out. hadn't yeah. came out yet. So yeah. let me introduce who we got here. Because we got Todd. We've got Nate. We've got Sean. All of them here joining us tonight. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jerry. Hey, Tracy. Thank Hi. you for having us. Oh, no yeah, thank yes, you so much. Tracy doesn't sit in on a whole lot of these, but she's going to be sitting in a lot more, especially since I just spent $100 on a new webcam and a microphone for her. So. <laughs> well, good, good. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. Thank you, Jerry, for having us on. Hey, that web, that webcam didn't get rid of those bags in my eyes, so I have a problem with that. Hey, you're <laughs> you still look lovely. Oh, thank you. That, that's another couple hundred dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> What's that plexiderm stuff or what's it called? Yeah, it works. Anyway, so Sean, I'll start with you. Tell me for the listeners out there who haven't heard Middle Aged and Creeped Out, what are they going to find when they when they tune into the show? Give me a brief description of what the show is. Well, I have to be honest. I'm being held against my will, and all of these shows, <laughs> I'm still being held against my will. So send help. Yeah. No, <laughs> he needs it. Um, it was funny because when we put this show together, we really wanted our main goals were to have some fun and to uh, find a way to, to, to put back in the community and to grow a community that will allow people to come together um, to share stories and unusual experiences. I know that's something I've had in my life. Um, and then we wanted to put together, you know, episodes of talking about uh, unusual content. Um, we took, you know, shows like yours and there's a lot of other podcasts that we would listen to and we're like, we, we can do that. You know, so um, we've we, we're going to talk about some of the different episodes that we've had and some of our favorites, too. But uh, we like to to try to cover things that other people haven't really covered in the past or we haven't heard a lot of podcasts. Yeah. All right. So, Nate, for you, you're are, are you're not really on the show the whole time or you're like every episode featured uh, since the second episode, they came to me and asked if I wanted to have a mic and talk with them. And it seems to work out with three of us talking yeah. on the topics. We've really enjoyed doing that. There you yeah, go. I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll see, see how, how it all works out. <laughs> he, he's our technical guy. So he's the one that runs the thing. You know, we're Sean and I, we, we're blabbers. We can talk all day long, but without Nate, it ain't happening. So we, um, but no, he came on and yeah, he, uh, is our tech guy. He does the editing and hooks all the mics up and everything. And after that second episode, I thought, 
let's get let's get Nate a mic. I mean, and so he said he was busting that first show because he's like, I have so much to say. Yeah, they're talking back and forth. I'm like, ooh, ooh, I got something yeah. to say. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those things where the second episode, it was they said, well, let's do this, and and Nate's like, okay, and so each time it's just kind of that congealing of the three personalities is is just yeah. kind of I told I, what it, I forget what was the third or fourth. I said, I think we have something here, boys. Yeah. It's kind of mm-hmm. magic in a bottle. But no, he has a lot. Yeah. So. No, it's still Todd and Sean as a host, and I'm the sound engineer, but I'm there to talk to. Yep. He's our saving grace. Awesome. It is so fun. It's so fun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it is. More fun yeah. than should be allowed, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, Todd, your, your guys' very first episode, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the episode where you talked about Halloween and The Exorcist, correct? Yes. Yeah. We, we, our first episode was just an introduction to ourselves, kind of like we were talking about before we got on here, just kind of so the listeners could hear about us and why we started the episode for the uh, podcast. And, um, you know, and then our first topical episode was about Halloween and, and the exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what it is about the exorcist and Halloween that made you want to do a complete episode at, right from the get go when you start this podcast. Well, those movies were, oh man, <laughs> we're going back to, yeah, so I was the creeps. Was talking yeah, about. so I was seven years old when Halloween came out and that that's my favorite of all time. So that's why I chose that my favorite horror movie is, is the original Halloween 1978. And I saw that maybe when I was like nine or 10. Um, so it had been out a couple of years. And then The Exorcist, uh, I think I was what, I think that was 1973, 74. So I was two or three. And I saw that when I was nine, and that sent me over the edge. I mean, I slept with my parents for, I think, two or three weeks after <laughs> watching that. Um, and I'm not kidding, Jerry. So I, I chose those two movies because from my childhood, of all the horror movies that I've seen from childhood to adulthood, those two movies stick out just because I was captivated when I saw Halloween and the Michael Myers character. You know, being a guy, it's like, yeah, he, he kind of does some things where, you know, a real, you know, I don't think a human could survive so many times you should be dead but it just it just it just scared me but i loved it. I, I was fascinated and then the exorcist like i said man that sent me whew. and so i didn't watch it again until i was uh, 29 so i went 20 years <laughs> and gary i i was I, yeah i was married before and i was up in our loft in our um i had like a sports room and i literally had to i had it on in the background i was on the computer just to give me a buffer because i could not just sit there and watch it i had to have something to kind of you know, right. right? Yeah, as I'm watching it, just to, oh. we talked about it being a one and done, where it's you watch it I'm once in your life. Done. Yeah, I've only watched it once. I tried to watch it before we did the episode. And I'm like, I'm I only made it through like clips. Yeah, and trying <laughs> to do it, I was like, it's it's scary. But that's basically why I chose those movies. Just they were two movies that stuck out to me growing up, and you know they're pretty famous. I don't know if there's anybody that doesn't know the movie Exorcist and, and the original Halloween. You know, and Michael Myers, the character. So that's why I chose that one. Yeah. Well, get this. So I'm talking to my daughter. Of course, you know my affinity. I was just sitting there thinking that same thing. (laughs) My affinity for The Exorcist. It's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And much like you guys, it totally freaked me out. But I've seen it, you know, probably 12, 13 times. And it still freaks me out. Yeah. My daughter has always heard me talk about it. And she's, uh, how old is Amber now? Like 26. Never, never seen it. And she tells me two weeks ago, you know, I watched that movie. You keep talking about how scary it was. That wasn't scary at all. Matter of fact, I laughed through most of it. Oh, oh man. my God. That's, no <laughs> saying that. No. He doesn't understand how people can I, do that. No I, way. Don't I mean, I'm, I'm now 50, Jerry, and I'm like, I'd be crying through it if I watched it. Just, it's a desensitized generation, I think. It's not, you know what it is, Jerry, about The Exorcist? It's also when, when I was a kid, not soon as an adult now, but when I was a kid, seeing another kid possessed, and you're thinking it's the devil, those demons. I mean, that and the whole face, the, how she changed her appearance. And the voice, I I just man, we like talked that, about it being know. a true good versus evil. Yeah, and you don't and you don't know that evil isn't going to win out. It's really one of those. Yeah, uh, you just have to have that leap of faith mm-hmm. that good is ultimately going to win. But you're not sure. You're not sure end. when you're watching. Yeah, yeah. poor little girl. <laughs> yeah, just, that's what the, that's what the priest had at the end. A leap of faith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah, yeah. he accepts the demon in him and jumps out the window. But, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I'm with Todd. I, what, what freaked me out the most is because you feel like you can get away from a slasher or you feel like you can, mm-hmm. you know, run out of a haunted house. How do you run away from something that's inside of you? Yeah, right. it's right. It'll get you. It's going to matter what, you know, 
If it wants you, it's coming after you. Yeah, it's not confined. That's, within that's walls. frightening. Yeah, yeah. It's too what real. about what about paranormal personal paranormal experiences? Have uh, any of you three? And we'll start with uh, we'll start with Nate on this one. Nate, have you ever had a paranormal experience yourself? Uh, not me particularly. Uh, I believe in a lot of it. I just have never had experiences myself personally. You, what about was, you, Sean? About good, out of, you were talking. Uh, Nate was talking about a good out of body experience. Oh yeah, I did have that, but that that was galvanized poisoning induced too. <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> so, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I guess that's yeah, that's pretty well, paranormal to me. Yeah, I mean, I I had a high fever and fell asleep on the couch and just I felt like I was outside myself, floating around, looking at myself, and then that's came back in and I woke up. I mean, that's, that's a, about as far as I've gotten. That's some Pink Floyd type stuff there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's wear respirators when you well galvanize. <laughs> what about you, Sean? Have you had any uh, personal paranormal experiences? I've been with some people that have had them. And um, I mean, and Todd and I, these, this goes back to some old discussions we've had through, mm -hmm. um, you know, at dinner and uh, just him and I talking about putting this podcast together that for a long time, I've had a really hard time. I've always felt kind of weird about some of the experiences I've had. I've had a lot of dreams throughout my life and out of body, started having out of body experiences um, and like lucid dreaming and things like that. And I, I thought maybe I was losing my mind. So I know I've, I've told a couple of those stories on the podcast, um, but they're, they're very personal, but it's, as I, as I started doing the podcast, I feel like you know, it, people are more accepting of it and actually people are interested to hear and to feel like they're not alone too, because they've had weird experiences. But, and it's funny that you bring up an experience because we just did a, uh, Aaron Egnance was a, 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 is a ghost hunter that we, we just uh, interviewed last week. And two nights after that, my wife and I were going to sleep. The kids were rowdy and they had, we'd just gotten them to bed. And I told her, it felt like our, our daughter came through the room and I said, is, is that Claire? What, what is she doing? And my wife said, I, I don't see anybody, but it's probably Claire. She probably went to the bathroom. So I went looking for her and I couldn't find her, but I swear I saw it was almost like a ghostly figure. And I told her, I went back to bed and I said, I got to stop doing this podcast. <laughs> I was like, it's <laughs> mine. she kind of talked, talked me down, but I swear it was like, I don't know if it was just talking to, to the ghost hunter or what, but it was just a, a weird, really weird experience that I hadn't told the guys that. Yet. No, I hadn't heard that. that yeah. <laughs> so that's brand new. <laughs> so we do here. We, we break news. Um, <laughs> yeah, break news. Not what even. About, uh, okay. <laughs> nobody gets that but us. I know uh, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what about you, Todd? Have you had any personal, paranormal experiences personally that you'd like to share? I had shared one story. Um, it was when we did our Shadow People um, episode. What was that? Number so, that was two. Three? That was two. Well, that was two. That's yeah, right. The, the Shadow yeah. People. I, I, sorry. Yeah. Um, it was maybe two or three years ago, Jerry, and because I, I work at a Christian church for my full-time day job. And I was it was a Friday and I was dog-tired. And so I ate lunch and I'm like, I got to lay down. I got to rest for like a half hour, 45 minutes, something. So we have like a first aid room and we have a little futon. And I, I lay down and I was out and I set my phone uh, timer, you know, so I could wake up at some point, get back to work. And so I was out, like I said, and then all of a sudden I wake up, but I couldn't move. I was like frozen and I felt like something was holding me down. And I mean, my eyes were awake. I knew what was going on. I knew where I was at. I wasn't dreaming. And I just felt I couldn't speak. I was trying to like yell for help, couldn't do it. And it lasted, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so. I finally told myself, I got to bust through. I got to get up. And that's what I had to do. So whatever it was, it just felt heavy. Like it was holding me down. And I was scared just because I, I, like I said, I was awake. I, I, I know I wasn't dreaming. And man, it just creeped me out. And finally, I just snapped out of it and was able to move. But like I, I was aware of my uh, alarm and like I said, where I was at and, um, yeah, it wasn't fun. I was kind of like something was in there, you know, and they always say churches aren't absolved from paranormal stuff, you know, and something was in there. They didn't want me. I don't know what it wanted to do with me, but it sure wouldn't let me go to work, which sometimes that's not a bad thing, <laughs> but, no. but Jerry, other than that, which was creepy itself, I haven't had any like ghosts or anything else like that. Any paranormal activity I can think of. No. Sean, what was uh, the favorite episode topic that you guys have covered? 
for you? Uh, for me, I've I've had several of them. I've enjoyed really. Oh, the yeah. Shadow People were was fun, but we recently did one. We did a two-parter on H. H. Holmes, and that was somebody that was I hadn't heard a whole lot about. I'd heard his name before, but he's uh, one of the first, America's first uh, serial killers in the 1890s. And his list of people that he might have killed, per, you know, potentially killed, maybe killed, maybe didn't kill, can, is upwards of like 200 people. So uh, we had a really deep dive and discussion into him. And it was just, it was more than I probably ever needed to know or wanted to know. But I got to use words like dastardly and fiend. I said, you don't ever get to use those in the, in the 1900s and 2000s. You don't get to use that. So we called him very nicely a dastardly fiend. Now that yeah. time period allows you to say that. <laughs> but then we got fixated on his, he, he had a, a handlebar mustache too. Yeah. That's one of them. They could identify him. And yeah. And so that was, we, we talked about how, how regal his mustache was. But he had a lot of, he had a murder castle that we talked about and how he, uh, got at least 50 they think uh, people from the Chicago's World Fair that was being held uh, in 19 or 1893 and so it was just fascinating that time period that somebody was that sick and twisted and he did all kind of horrible heinous well, things to his victims he's always one step ahead of the uh, law coming after yeah. him yeah it took him a long but time to be very highly with. intelligent yeah yeah it was one that it was Nate's idea to do that mm -hmm. and we watched we all sat there and watched documentaries on him and, and i was like yeah we get, we definitely have to talk about this guy yeah that guy was ate up it was yeah it was something else <laughs> yeah, if i remember correctly he was finally brought down by pinkerton security and yep, yeah, right. exactly yep. yeah finally, most people know pinkerton today is just you know security guards around but back then they were the real deal yep yeah he chased yeah. everybody around yeah here's a here's a fun fact about hh home so we we had crappy equipment when we first started and we got a brand new setup and we were so excited to use it our first time ever with a mixer and new mics. And we were doing the HH Holmes uh, story and uh, we get all set up and we record it. And I being an ignorant Ramos when it comes to some of this stuff, I didn't listen to any of it. We don't use headphones when we record. Uh, we don't use, uh, you know, any kind of, I typically don't go back even listen to the show. I just know what it looks like and boom. So the next day I'm listening to the show and I'm like, oh my God, this sounds horrible. We didn't use, I recorded the whole thing on the laptop's microphone. So we got all this new equipment. Uh, and, but but when, with, when you're using Audacity to record, you have to go in and change that to the, the USB setting for it to use those microphones. And I didn't know that because that's the first time we used it. And it recorded the yeah. whole thing on the. So we got all this nice equipment and this awesome episode that we couldn't wait to do. And it's one of the crappiest sounding ones. <laughs> we, we, we had the same thing happen yeah. to us. Uh, we, oh, it was like an hour and 40 minute episode. <laughs> episode seven. And uh, the computer lost the drivers for the mixer. And so it recorded it, but it was all digitized and cut up. And that, 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 that sounded awful. Stuff. Just horrible. So we had to scrap all of it and redo the entire episode. Oh, it took so, four hours to do two hours. Yeah. And we were, it's funny because we had to recreate it. And it was the first time it was all impromptu and we just conversational. Yeah, had the energy. And, and then the second time we were trying to remember kind of how we did it, but it, it still turned out really well. Yeah. But it was like, because I kept telling Nate, I'm like, well, it's there, right? And he's like, it's there like this. <laughs> well, we were afraid that, you know, I would say something like, no, wait a minute, did Sean say that or did Nate, oh. you know, or did I say, because we didn't want to step on anybody's toes, you know, we wanted to kind of make it sound like the original and yeah. bring that same energy. And it was so late, but we did it. We pulled it off. But, man, that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to tell on myself, I got like a oh. brain freeze at the end because we were so like, just the energy was dissipating. <laughs> and I, I did, I had like a brain freeze and couldn't remember what I was going to say. So there was this long pause and a lot of um, uhs. And Nate saved my my butt. Nobody will ever be the wiser except for me telling on myself. Yeah, he couldn't remember. I remember what it was. It was Winston Churchill. Well, yeah, Winston he tried to Winston Churchill. I blanked out a Winston Churchill story. And Nate goes, Churchill. And he's like, oh, but he was, yeah, I was like, he sliced it and diced it all together. And it sounds perfect. Can't even tell. Can't <laughs> even tell. He had a mind uh, brain freezer. Yeah. I'm going to blame. Paid him good money for that. Yeah. I'm going to blame Tracy for this one. But on our 100th episode, it was one of the longer ones we had Andrea Perrin from. The Conjuring on that episode and we had done uh, an episode on the Warrens to put put with that well not only that we had probably eight or ten people other podcasters that had sent us in you know hey happy hundredth and you know hundredth episode blah 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 and I had put all these things in we recorded all of them so you know how Nate you know how hard it is to just 
put all these different segments yeah. in, in between certain parts and because we didn't put them all at the beginning and mm-hmm. we get almost through and Tracy says, I don't think we did so-and-so or did so. So I go back and I look and as I did it, somehow or another, I deleted the whole thing. Oh. And we had to re-record <laughs> the whole episode. Oh, man. I mean, it wasn't her fault. I mean, she pointed out something that she thought we did or didn't do. Right. right. But we were at the end. And when I went back to look, I accidentally, I, I found it and it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case was. And then I X for some reason, just went up and hit X and went off of it oh. and just oh. deleted the whole thing. So, so it we had, it was not my fault at all. Yeah. We know that because <laughs> for the record, right? <laughs> that's right? He blames me for a lot, but that's okay. I'm, I'm always also time it's accurate. Yeah. Well, no, I know that we've, we've been going to town on this episode and just going, you know, at it. And all of a sudden we'll look and we're like, damn it, that thing ain't even recording. The whole time it yeah, sometimes we'll we'll do because we edit as we go, yeah. and uh, and and we'll edit sometimes, and then we'll I'll think I hit the play button, but it must have been a little bit over, and then we're just recording and recording and look back, and it's not recording. And- oh man! <laughs> well, Jerry, when I sat with you, yeah, it was two years in July. It was July of two thousand nineteen when I visited you guys, and I remember when you were showing me how to do stuff. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I just I just edit as we go, and you just you know hitting this and that. And I was like. Okay. Yeah, I'm just. I don't know what he's talking about. I still don't. I don't know how Nate does it. I don't know any of this technical stuff. Just give me a microphone. Let me talk, and I'm good. I know. Uh, one of my biggest fears is doing that, getting done with an episode, and accidentally losing it. And so as soon as we get done, I, I automatically just go to the save and save what I have, mm-hmm. and go from there. <laughs> that's that typically what. That's typically what I do. I don't even know what. Like I said, it was one of those deals where yeah. it was late. We were tired, and I just instinctively went up and clicked off of it. No reason in the world to click off of it, but that's what I did. So Nate, let's do this. You've got uh, you've got some local ghost stories that you're going to tell us, and and uh, we'll kind of do that and find out a little more about you guys in the podcast and end on this note. So, what do you yeah, got sure. for us? Uh, episode six was our uh, local ghost, ghost stories because uh, I knew of a couple that are around here local. There's a uh, Avon Haunted Bridge and Danville Haunted Bridge. Uh, both of them, uh, same story, just different locations. Uh, basically, a, a mother carrying her sick child down across the bridge trying to get to the doctor. Train was coming, loses her step, falls off. They both perish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, You can go there at night and if you don't honk your horn then you can hear the baby screaming and her crying out for the baby and so hmm. those those ones i grew up with knowing oh yeah oh, pretty famous and then uh with further research i found out about uh hell's gate over in brazil indiana uh another train bridge but it's a single tunnel and they say like if you go there and stop and turn your lights off for like 15 minutes or so a seven foot tall shadow figure will come out and greet you. Very good. And uh, they also say that if, if you drive through the tunnel, you turn around and come back and stop, turn up, turn the vehicle off, turn the lights off, and sit in the t- tunnel, it'll start moving and blood will start running down the walls. Yikes. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I never knew that one was there. Look that up because it's got, uh, it's covered in graffiti. And it's, it, looks, it, it just looks. Oh crazy. yeah, we looked yeah. at pictures on when we were covering. Yeah, it. and they crazy. say there's, I think seven of them out there that you can go and try to find. The, that's the only one I know of. Makes oh. for a fun Friday. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <And> then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's go find Hell's Friday Gate. Friday fun. Hell's Gate. Yeah. And there's a covered bridge over in Putnam County, and uh, a little girl uh, drowned under the bridge, and. Uh, they say that you can go there and uh, stop on the bridge at night and she'll show up and try to get into your vehicle. And then when you leave and you get home, you can find handprints on the outside of your vehicle. Oh, okay. um, and then uh, the one that we ended the episode on was uh, Whispers Estates mm-hmm. in uh, Mitchell, Indiana. Yep. That place is crazy. Just vortexes and uh, the little girl that got burnt in a fire and perished there uh she'll uh, open and close doors and you can hear her running through the hallways and uh yeah there's a lot of activity in that one but todd said he wanted to buy that and make it a bed and breakfast so i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and airbnb that's in, that's in the works right? <laughs> yeah right 
Weren't they yeah. trying to do that at one point? I mean, wasn't uh, it a bit? Uh, I think they tried to do that. At one probably point. did. Yeah, I, I, I think, know it's up I for sale. That, yeah. yeah, or it was for sale recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty creepy. I'm sure someone that didn't know the history of that house. And that's the one that with the doctor that buried. Yeah, the doctor. Yeah, there's yeah, like a mass yeah. grave out in the back. Yeah, in the playground, like the amputated arm. You just go throw it out yeah, there in the body field. parts. <laughs> yeah, pretty wicked place. Yeah, a lot of a lot of crazy stories with that one. What's that was the, a real fun one. Yeah, a local one. That was yeah. fun. Well, then we're going to be doing another episode pretty soon of doing some more local haunted stuff. So that'll mm-hmm. be fun. What's the place right there in Indianapolis? I drew a blank. Uh, Slippery Noodle? Uh, haunted House? Uh, or Yeah, no, the haunted, uh, the, the big haunted estate out there that they do the weddings and stuff at. It's the it's the it's probably the most known haunted place in Indianapolis. I just drew no. a blank. Is it the one that you so, went? Uh, there's yes. Hannah House. Um, oh, the Hannah House. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. The Hannah House. Oh, oh yeah, it's on the south, yeah, southeast side of Indy, mm-hmm. south side. Yeah, that's the Hannah Hundred Acres. You know what's funny, Jerry, with the Hannah House? Because it's got the the underground railroad, you know, and mm-hmm. a bunch of slaves were supposed to burn in the fire and all that. Um, and they do, and they do a haunted attraction. They do it, you know, for Halloween, a regular haunted house. Mm-hmm. But I've never been there for a tour or um, or the haunted attraction. I've only been there for uh, one of those uh, dinners. Like the mystery dinners, you know, mystery dinners. Yeah, and it was during Christmas time for a for our office party, but I've never been there for a haunted attraction or anything like that. Yeah, but it's a pretty neat place. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been either. I've, mm-hmm. I always heard just the advertisements are creepy. You know, the mm-hmm. Hannah Haunted Acre. Yeah, and they yeah. have the hayride. Oh, they have a hayride. Now, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, Hannah House. Yeah. Guys, the podcast is middle aged and creeped out. Go check them out. Make sure you uh, subscribe. Leave a review for them. It'll help them out. They're a new show getting started. Make yeah. sure you put in the review that you heard about them on Hillbilly Horror Stories. Let's uh, let's help help them move up the rankings a little bit here. It's a fun show. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, how can the guys keep up with you on social media if they're out there listening? Uh, we're on Facebook. We've got a Facebook group page. It's coming along pretty very nicely, I think. We've got a couple hundred people who joined. Mm-hmm. Uh, just middle aged and creeped out. We're on Instagram. Same thing. Just type in middle aged and it'll come up. Um, what's what else? Uh, we have and we have an email. Um, it's Mako Podcast. It's M A A C O Podcast at gmail.com. So they can email stories or we're always asking for stories, you know, or experiences, and we'll read them on the air with their permission. Um, what else, guys? The we're the podcast is on iTunes. Oh Stitcher, yeah, Stitcher, Deezer. Yeah, we're on all the major platforms. Uh, Audio boom, bunch of smaller ones. Yeah, there's there's it's pretty easy to find us our, our podcast. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. I need to get one of those shirts. I love them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. My, my sister made the logo. She's a graphic designer. Yeah, Heather. Let's give her a shout out to Heather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she uh, uh, is a graphic designer, and so yeah. I, I worked with her for about two days. Maybe really one day, but. Um, she had an idea and then she texted to me. I'm like, oh, I like that. I'm like, well, you know, so I said, well, how about this? And she'd send it back. And man, when she sent this back, I'm like, bingo. That's I it. was at, I was at work. And the first time yeah. I saw it, I was like, that's it. That's yeah. exactly it. And, uh, the same way. and then uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a guy I used to work with at the church. He's moved to Tennessee, but um, he did our, uh, our sound, sound. Yeah, our, our uh, background music and all that. So Josh Peters. And so it's kind of nice that we have, you know, we're buddies and we're doing it together, but we've had family or friends be a part of this. And that's what really makes it cool. It's uh, real personal. You know, we've had some input from family and friends to help us with yeah, logo or music or whatever it is. And, um, and we look forward to it. We've been doing it every other week, sometimes it's, every week. It's and we just It is. It's <laughs> something that we just put our heart and soul and love into. And then, you know, shout out to you guys, too, because you guys oh, really man. helped us to figure. We thought this was going to be impossible to do, but it's it's doable and it's it's very fun though it's yeah. fun to be part of the community too yeah and um yeah it, it will, and, and our wives get us out of the house so that's uh, another blessing the most important thing right <laughs> yeah so. us out once in a while <laughs> get us three million knuckleheads out yeah you need that you need that guy time you know and kind of have fun and let it out and stuff like that and i think it's great and you know you guys are going to be really successful and i'm so happy for you all well, thank, thank you thank, thank you very you. much maybe you don't say they need guy time and then follow it up by let it out Oh, <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> we know what you mean. <laughs> no, we appreciate that, Tracy. Yeah, it's been fun. It's it's a, it's a blast. So we we have a lot more episodes coming. We've already got uh, 
all the way up through 20 yeah. plan of what we're going to talk about. We're so, recording again after this. Yeah, we're going to do our episode 14 after this year. Yeah, so we're excited. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Vlad, think- Vlad and Paler. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nice. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Jerry. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Tracy. We appreciate Bye, it. Guys. We love you all. Love you guys. Love back right back. I told you those guys were fun. So They are fun. They're so daggone nice. You guys, please give them a listen and uh, show them some love and support. Yeah, we've got, we try to give you shows, especially shows that are listeners. Todd's been a listener for a long time. Mm-hmm. And same with, with, with Sean and Nate. But, you know, when we've got shows that we think are quality shows that you guys will enjoy, hey, go give them at least a listen to see what you think. And and by all means, if you can possibly leave them a review and tell them that Hillbilly Horror Story sent you, it, it I trust me, it'll mean the world to those guys because they, uh, they're just starting out just like so many other podcasters that we bring on. They're just starting out and it, it's very hard to build an audience. So they depend on, on people who listen to us at least giving them a shot. So do that. And trust me, you're going to be making somebody's day. Yeah, absolutely. We love them. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us. We hope you guys have a blessed week. Thank you guys for hanging with us. Yep. And we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Love ya.